You are listening to the Concierge Minister Podcast, a place to grow, learn, and be inspired as you discover God's purpose for your life. Here's your host, the pastor you've always wanted without the church, Dr. Kumar Dixit. Hey, what's up, you guys? Uh, I don't know if you survived Valentine's Day last month and if you got lucky and got laid, but I hope that <laughs> you at least had somebody to, to love and to be able to connect with. You know, uh, uh, last year I interviewed somebody about the great sex rescue and it was really interesting the kind of feedback that I got from some of you guys and what people really thought about it. And believe it or not, Sheila Gregoire has repackaged a couple books that she she and her husband just finished. It's called The Girl's Guide to Great Sex. And now wait for it. So you know that this is an equal opportunity here. And then the other book is called The Guy Good Guy's Guide to Great Sex. So Welcome both of you guys. Sheila is here as well as her husband, Dr. Keith Gregoire. Thank you. Hello. It's great to be here. Uh, thanks for inviting great us. Great to see you guys. Keith, I want to start with you because I know you're a pediatrician and, you know, here your wife is just writing like these disasterly secrets about men and talking <laughs> about how like, you know, we're just failing at everything that we're doing. Do you ever read it and go, oh my gosh, she's like, spilling the secrets i feel so insecure <laughs> oh yeah all the time <laughs> it's funny you know like i got into this because sheila wrote me in a while ago and you know what husband doesn't want doesn't you know long for the day that his wife will come to him and say hey how would you like to talk about our sex life in front of hundreds of people like who doesn't look forward to that kind of a you know yeah so we've been doing this for a while i'm pretty used to it <laughs> well that, you guys you guys are great and i love the fact that there's two approaches you know with with the two books you know, just one one of my, you know, just hang ups is that, you know, we always talk about sex and how women can improve sex and how, you know, and a lot of it has to do with what they need to change, you know. So mm -hmm. I love that you guys are really looking at um, both of it. Sheila, real quick, I want to tell you that I gave, I was doing premarital counseling with a couple and I required them to read The Great Sex Rescue. And, oh, wow. Yeah, and what they loved the most was the questions at the end of the book, mm -hmm. or, or at the end of each chapter. Yep, and yep. they um, really, it really sparked a lot of conversation for them. So I, I really appreciate what you guys are doing. So, so tell me, why, what's, what's up with these books? Why did you write these two books together? Well, so for those of you who remember and who listened to the Great Sex Rescue podcast, basically what I did was I surveyed 20,000 women. I did a huge study to find out if there are certain evangelical teachings that hurt women's marital and sexual satisfaction. And we found that there were quite a few and that a lot of the teaching in this area has been terrible. But I kind of see this as an Ecclesiastes 3 thing. Like there's a time to scatter stones and there's a time to gather stones together. So Great Sex Rescue was just scattering stones everywhere. This is like, we need yeah. to break this down. Yeah. We need to, to knock it out, pound it over the head, you know, <laughs> destroy and get it back to what it, what it was intended to be. And now with the Good Guy's Guide to Great Sex and the Good Girl's Guide to Great Sex, we're asking the question, what would it look like if we just built a healthy sex life from the ground up, if we didn't mm -hmm. have any of this toxic stuff to begin with? So now is the time where, you know, we're gathering the stones together and we're trying to build 
And yeah, I think they're really fun books. I hope that people will get them even before they're married <laughs> um, and start yeah. off right, because we sure didn't. No. So yeah, these are like the books that we needed. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I'm I'm, gl I'm glad that you wrote it. I want to ask you, I mean, one of the things that I really caught my attention was, you know, you guys, you know, say, talk about the secret to having an amazing honeymoon, you know, what's the, the sexual secret that you guys should have? So, so tell us right now. I mean, give us, give us a little insight. Okay. Well, do you want me to give well, the stats and then you can tell? Yeah, okay, sure. Why don't we do that? Okay. So we, we looked at two groups of people, right? So we looked at people who had, who had only ever had sex with each other. Mm -hmm. and we controlled for abuse and then we looked at women who had had sex before they were married and women who waited for marriage and what we found is that if you waited your chance of having vaginismus or primary sexual pain went up by 25 percent okay that's not good news for no it's no. not now we're not arguing that everyone <laughs> should go have sex before they're married okay but what we are saying is that there is something seriously wrong with the way that we're doing sex on the honeymoon because if you think about it, when people who want to wait for marriage have sex before marriage, why? It's probably because they watched a rom-com and then they were making out for a couple of hours yeah. <laughs> and then hands yeah. started wandering and then it just happened. So like they were, they were feeling close, they were super aroused. And yet what happens on the wedding night? You've just had the longest day of your life followed, following the most stressful couple of weeks of your life. And then mm -hmm. you end up in this hotel room or your apartment or wherever, and you're super awkward and you don't know what to do. And it's just really strange. And so let's get that bewildering, strange feeling <laughs> and not have that. Let's do it differently. Yeah. Yeah. Because, because for guys, sex can be very automatic. All right. But for women, there's a lot more, you know, mental awareness that has to be there, you know, stress and difficulty and fatigue and all stuff imp impacts them a lot more. And so what happens is now you're on your wedding night and well, you gotta, <laughs> like you can't not because yeah. like he's waited so long and then it's right. a terrible experience because it's not in the context of what, what sex is meant to be. Like it's meant to be fun and enjoyable and a discovery of each other instead of this, like, well, now we have to sort of thing. And so you talked earlier about how we uh, have been giving a lot of instruction to women, but we haven't been giving instruction to men. And that's, you're absolutely right. And that's what we hope to address with the good guy's guide. And this is a, per a perfect example. We need to get guys to stop focusing on sex and start focusing on arousal. Mm -hmm. um, if, mm -hmm. if, we get, if we as men learned how to make our wives aroused and we focus on that, then sex would naturally flow out of that as opposed to, well, we haven't in a few days, so let's, <laughs> and expecting her to just suddenly jump in and be happy. And that's the way it works, you know? Yeah, no, I, I, that's such a great quotable quote, you know, like we need to train guys not to have sex, but teach them how to arouse, you know, their, their partner. Mm -hmm. I think that's, I mean, that's such a key piece because I think that, you know, for a lot of people, it's the mechanics. It's like, you know, put it in and that's <laughs> it. You know, it's not really talking about just what you said, like, you know, on the wedding night for a lot, of, especially in particular for women, if it's their first, first night, they have this, glorious idealization of what it's supposed to be like and you know like you just said sheila you know it's you're tired you've eaten a lot of cake you know i mean it's <laughs> you know one, one of the things i do when i do weddings i i always so so i might be a chauvinist but every time i um, marry a couple i always take the guy aside and i go here's a couple things you need to know one you guys have permission not to have sex tonight 
because you're exhausted mm -hmm. and you're done and just be like, hey, let's make this really special tomorrow. Or tomorrow <laughs> after, you know? yeah. And then the second thing is I always say to them, buy some lube. Like you yeah. just never know, like, you know, buy yeah. some lube, be prepared in case you need it. And then re be reminded that this is a princess who's waiting for a magical moment. And so you need to do whatever you need to do to make that an emotionally erotic and physical experience. Yeah. I, I never asked them afterwards if they did anything I asked them to do, but I do <laughs> think that it goes to making sure that, you know, that the, the couples understand that there's a high, high level of expectation. And so they need to be ready for that as well. Mm -hmm. And I think that's true, even if you've had sex before, because so many people getting married, of course, are not virgins today. But even if you have had sex, often it wasn't necessarily very good and people do want that clean start that clean break and so and so saying you know we want to we want to set set us up for a few decades the next few decades of amazing sex and so let's do this right and let's see it as a clean break yeah, yeah i think it's great and the, the other thing i of, often not often i always do with couples that i'm counseling is i i try to make them to make a commitment to not have sex from the time that we start counseling until they get married and i'm like you know, I said, you're going to be so horny. You're going to be so nuts. It's, you're going to be like, you know, just scratching the wall. So do it just for that reason that you can experience something that feels like it's, it's new again to you, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. So yeah. I, I think it's interesting that you're, you're talking about the idea or the, um, of vaginismus. I always, I, whenever I see that word, I get scared to say it out loud, but um, <laughs> just, just, just remind my one listener what that means. Yes, yeah, so it's a sexual dysfunction disorder where the muscles of the vaginal wall contract or get really tight, and it makes penetration difficult or impossible. And Christian women or religious conservative women suffer from it at roughly twice the rate of the general population. So there's something about the way that we talk about sex that actually ends up hurting women. And I, I think, you know, in, in this great sex rescue book, you talked about the fact that it has high correlations, the same numbers as women who've been abused. That's right, yeah. Yeah, and it's highly correlated with the obligation sex message. So this idea that she is obligated to give him sex yeah. whenever he wants it. So I'm I'm so glad the husband and wife are together because you know, you never get that, you know, when you're talking to, about counseling and sexuality, but one of the challenge I think challenges I think in most relationships is the level of frequency of sex, you know. So it's like four times a week, you know, the first year, and then it kind of mm -hmm. just like yeah, peters out to, you know, maybe one time or two times a week. And then you start Googling, and you're like, am I normal? You know, how <laughs> often do other people, you know, have sex during the week? And it's like all over the place, right? And some couples schedule it like it's like every Wednesday night after prayer meeting. <laughs> um, so, so what, what do you say to couples who are kind of fighting about that idea of frequency and, and how often they should do it? Yeah, well, we actually have a very big section at the, near the end of the good guys guide where we talk about that specifically. I, I think to, to sort of summarize it here, I'd say that we need to think of, if there's a lack of frequency in a marriage, we need to think of that as a symptom, not as a disease. Okay. Um, because historically in the church, we've sort of said, oh, you're not having sex enough. So tell whoever's not having sex, whoever doesn't want to have sex to have more. And that's mm. the answer. And that's not a healthy answer. We need to figure out what's going on and what, what's caused things to happen. Is it a scheduling thing? Well, then fix the scheduling thing. Uh, is, it a, is it a desire thing? Has there been trust broken? You know, whatever, what's happened to derail things? And we need to repair that rather than just saying, 
if we turn up the sexometer, everything's going to get better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because what we found is that when women feel emotionally close during sex, when there's high marital satisfaction, when they frequently orgasm, when there's no sexual dysfunction, and when there's no porn use, frequency mm-hmm. pretty much takes care of itself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, and we're saying this because typically mm-hmm. in most marriages, it's the woman with the lower drive, but mm-hmm. you know, not always, but that's yeah. why she's saying it yeah. for women, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's like, what else is going on? And it doesn't mean that he's the one with the problem. Like maybe mm-hmm. the reason that, that she doesn't feel emotionally close during sex has nothing to do with her husband and everything to do with sexual trauma in her background mm-hmm. or with some of the negative messages about sex that she's internalized. You know, it doesn't mean there's necessarily something wrong with a marriage. It just means there's something that we need to work on yeah. together or individually. And, and that's a healthier way to see it because when you just pressure people to have more sex, it's like we're forgetting what sex is for because sex, and, and this is a big thing we say in the books, it's not just about physical intimacy, it's emotional and it's spiritual as well. And if somebody doesn't want sex and you tell them, no, I get to use your body, you need Mm -hmm. to have it more, that Mm -hmm. makes sex into something only physical. So it's no longer this intimate, deep knowing of someone, it's just Mm -hmm. becomes an owing and that's ugly. We don't want Mm -hmm. sex to become ugly. So, and besides that, you know what? People tend to like to do fun things. If something is fun and it makes them feel good, they tend to want to do it. So if somebody doesn't want to do it, we need to ask why, as opposed to just saying, you must be a selfish person. Yeah. And and we hope with the good guy's guide to give give men a lot of good advice. I mean, there's some some really good philosophical stuff in there, but there's also some very good practical stuff about let's make this a great experience for your wife. Mm -hmm. Instead of saying, I'm not getting enough, how can I persuade, cajole, convince her to do more? what can I do to make this a great experience for her? That is something she really wants to partake in. And then we can have an amazing time together. That's what we're trying to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's a, in your first, in your other book, Sheila, The Great Sex Rescue, there's quite a bit of talk about like release, you know, like, a, you know, this this false idea that men have to, you know, have an ejaculation every like 72 hours or something, you know, and, <laughs> and you kind of like, you know, debunk that. But there, there, there is the idea, like, I know couples who be like, I know you want to have sex, just, just do me and mm-hmm. get it over with, you know, like, and, and, you know, I, I hear you saying, you know, like, I, I want there to be mutuality, you know, for everybody, but is it okay if sometimes somebody's just like, you know what, just, <laughs> you know, do what you need to do, you know, cause. Yeah. As long as it's sometimes, and that's the key thing. Cause, yeah. cause here's the issue. Okay. There's a 47 point orgasm gap. Yeah, talk talk to me about that. In the here. church. So so 95% of men almost always or always reach orgasm during a sexual encounter. Only 48% of women do. So there's a lot of women who are not enjoying sex physically very much. And when we asked both men and women, does he do enough foreplay? When women frequently reach orgasm, over 90% of both men and women say, yes, he does enough foreplay. But when women don't frequently reach orgasm, 71% of men still say, yes, I do enough foreplay. But (laughs) so do like, I think the number is 56% or 52% or something like that of women. It's over half of women still say, yes, he does enough foreplay. And our question is enough for what? Like, Mm -hmm. what is our measure? (laughs) You know, 
he's yeah. not reaching orgasm, but they're still saying that that he's doing enough. And I think the reason is because we actually don't think we deserve it. A lot of women mm. just think I must be broken because mm -hmm. I'm not enjoying this the way he is. He's the sexual one and I'm not. There's something wrong with me. And here he is, he's trying and it's not doing anything for me. So the problem must be me. Mm -hmm. When so really, it could just be that you guys don't understand the sexual response cycle at all. And mm -hmm. we've never learned how to work with her body. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that's a, such a, especially, you know, Keith, I'm, you're, you're a pediatrician. So I'm really interested in this idea that, you know, we don't really tell kids or teach kids to really explore their bodies and to kind of figure out what, what feels good and where their body parts are. We, we've just shamed it in such a way, in such a utilitarian, utilitarian manner. Like, it's like, this is where you go pee pee and that's it, you know? So, <laughs> but we haven't really taught them that this is also a, a pleasure spot and, and that it, it is okay for you to figure out what's enjoyable. How do you, how do you do that in such a way that kind of maintains Christian integrity and human biology? I think the first thing is for us to get over the fact that sex, sexuality isn't bad. Because <laughs> yeah. I, I think, frankly, in the church, we just see, we see sex as a bad thing. Uh, mm -hmm. There's shame associated with just being sexual. Um, yeah. But God made us sexual. We need to we need to be able to somehow get to an ethic that allows us to fully embrace the healthy sexuality that God intended for us to have. But right now, we either have a shame based or an obligation based view of sexuality, <laughs> and and yeah. there's no there's no healthy view. Of it. And and we're trying to work toward that. It's a whole podcast and stuff. How to talk to kids about it. <laughs> but yeah. I think we need to focus on talking to just adult Christian husbands about it because. I don't think most men understand how women work. We were talking about the honeymoon night. And, you know, the reason you're, you're fooling around and getting all excited beforehand is because you have decided you're not going to have sex. So you do everything else. And it's fun and it's really enjoyable. And you're yeah. afraid it's going to take you too far. But then you get married and it's like, well, all that stuff's off the table. Let's go right to the end zone. Right? Yes, <laughs> and, yes, and that's yes. what we do as guys. And we don't, we somehow think that's normal. And we need to train guys to, hey, whoa, whoa, remember all that fun stuff that you used to do? Yeah. You know, you can still do that when you're married. <laughs> right, right, right. You know, I and enjoy that and revel in that sexuality and, and how much fun it is. So you, I want to just go backwards for guys. a brief a brief moment, um, just because you know we talked about because I think it's important also just to talk about the biological reactions. Like, for example, you know, a few months ago I changed depression medicine and I was mm. on it for like four four, five, six weeks and Funny story. We'll see if this stays into the podcast because I'll have to get permission <laughs> from my wife. But she, I, she was changing, and you know, I walked right past her. I mean, I didn't slap her butt. I didn't like grab her. I didn't like you know like do whatever I always do. I just walked right past her, but didn't brush my teeth. And then I came out and I said, "Oh, by the way," I said, "You know, I think this um, new medication is affecting my libido. I have like zero sex drive." And she kind of looked at me. She's like. Yeah, I was just thinking that this morning, like, what's up with this guy walking by me and not like in 20 years trying to make a move, you know, and it was so obvious, you know, that that, okay, I need to do something different. So sometimes there's biological and chemical factors yeah. that we also need to look into for why there may be some dysfunction in the sexuality. Yeah, I think especially, I guess I should let you take this point because you're the doctor, but I think especially for men, a lot of sexual dysfunction can be early warning signs of something else. And mm -hmm. so guys, we know you don't like seeing the doctor. You got to go <laughs> see the doctor. <laughs> yeah. 
But you're right, God has made us physical beings and, and our physical health does impact our sexuality for sure. And there's a lot of things we talk about that in the book as well. And, and I think that a lot of men are embarrassed to go to their doctor or talk about things like that. And, and I always try and encourage men to not be embarrassed about going to your doctor. You know, it's not the strangest thing that your doctor's going to hear today. So just, <laughs> just be honest, yeah. tell them what's going on and they'll be able to deal with it. So and, and you, with the you really need to give it a shame. Yeah. So. Yeah. And with the amount of ED commercials that are on TV, you have to realize you really are not the only person. That commercial is mm -hmm. not for you. There are, are yeah. millions and millions of people that are experiencing that, that, that phenomenon. Exactly. Hey guys, this is Kumar, your concierge minister. I want to just let you know that I would be honored to record a prayer for you so that you can listen to it anytime that you're discouraged or you need some encouragement. Just send me a message at concierge at gmail.com with your phone number and what you want me to pray for you about, whether it's a blessing, possibilities for God to enlarge uh, your life with abundance. This is free of charge, no gimmicks, no hassle. Just shoot me a note and I will send you a personalized prayer for you so you can hang on to when you need some hope in your life. Hey, follow me for a brief moment because I got a, a story to tell you. Um, so I'm, I'm one of the youth leaders in my church. I teach um, junior high, middle school. I also teach high school um, ministry. And I was, we were doing a sex talk about two weeks ago. And we were talking about, you know, how far you should go, how far you shouldn't go. And, and one of the things I talked about was, to the kids was, look, when you're in the heat of it and you're like making out and buttons are coming off, I was like, you're the dopamine hit is so strong. You're not going to rationally think about where my boundaries are. Mm -hmm. And so that's why as a young man or woman, you have to really make those decisions now because when, so when you're actually in that moment, you can be reminded of, okay, I've made a decision not to go this far. Mm -hmm. And as I was talking about that, I, I, I was jokingly saying, you know, like, there's not a lot of talking that takes place when you're, you know, fooling around. And one of the, you know, guys just kind of raised his, you know, eyebrows, like a 14 year old. I was like, what are you thinking? And he goes, oh, I thought there's a lot of talking that goes on. And I was like, oh, okay, like what? And he's like, you know, like dirty talk. And <laughs> he's like slapping and choking. And, and, oh. and I was like, O-M-G, I am not prepared to talk about yeah. this. And mm -hmm. so one of the things I said, I just said, look, this is a co-ed group. I said, I said, I think what you're describing is what teenagers often see in pornography, but may not necessarily be kind of a, the natural mm -hmm. um, relationships. I said, so what you're saying is like a lot of physical harm that, that people think is, is, is okay and it's, and it's and and it's it, it's debasing to women, I think, as well. And but it was just a holy smokes moment for me to kind of realize mm -hmm. that you know kids are just mm -hmm. completely having a different idea of what human sexuality is, you know, with one another. So we're not going to get rid of porn. You know, porn is there. It's 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 popular. I mean, I think you said in your in in your book, it's like forty four percent of men. Christian men look at porn. Is that right? I think it's 49.6 who are currently okay. using it at, at some level, even if it's just rarely. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, so, you know, obviously they are kind of developing what they think sexually things should happen based on what they're watching a four to 12 minute video, you know, on online. So, so how, how do we address this with not just kids, but also just in the, in the marital home? 
Well, I would say the first thing is, is that so far the strategy has been, you know, don't do it. It's, it's been sort of porn is bad, avoid it. But we haven't replaced it with any, anything else. And I think that the, the key to defeating porn is to realize it for what it is, which is a counterfeit of mm. the good thing that God created, which is a healthy sexuality. Pornography is based upon one person using another person for their own physical needs or, or desires. Mm -hmm. True sex is meant to be a mutual knowing of two people. It's something that's meant to be more than just physical. It's emotional, spiritual. It's such a deep, mutual, beautiful thing. And that I think we need to be replacing this pornographic style of, of relating with a healthy sexuality. Mm -hmm. I also think, you know, uh, especially when it comes to teenagers, just as an aside, the whole uh, approach of porn is bad, mm. it's a sin, don't do it. Well, that might be true. It hasn't worked particularly well because yeah. we have, you know, we looked at, if you look at uh, the stats for men under the age of 40, upwards of like 83% of men have used porn at some point in their life. So, and often that starts in their teenage years. Mm -hmm. So yeah. no matter how much we say it's a sin, they're going to use it. So how about if we just have a different messaging, which is that's sex trafficking and you're watching someone being abused. Mm. because mm. people respond to that a mm -hmm. lot more. And that's very true. And I think if we can just recognize that the reason that you don't watch porn isn't just because it hurts you. It isn't just because it hurts your marriage. It's because it's hurting actual real people. This is not a victimless crime. Mm -hmm. And even so-called consensual porn is not consensual. Like just look at the, look at what happened on Pornhub that was in the news uh, multiple times last year for all of the sexual assault videos that were up. And even some of the so-called consensual sites, a lot of those women are victims of sexual abuse and sexual as, as children. Do we really call that consensual? So I think if we talk to teens more from a justice standpoint, they would get that a lot mm. more and it would give them more. Oh, just, just more strength to withstand it. Cause it is a difficult thing to withstand when you've got, you know, you're, you're, you're curious, you're starting to have sexual feelings. Everybody's doing it. You know, you're, it's, it's normal to turn to it. But if they realize, no, I don't want to masturbate to someone being raped. I think when people realize, wait a minute, I do not want to masturbate to someone being raped, then it's a lot easier to stop looking at it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a really good way to prevent people from, from doing that. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's a total justice point of view. I think, I think that's really great. Okay, so here, here, here's my, one of my last questions for you guys. Couples been married for 20 years, 25 years. They're really, really, really great friends. Mm -hmm. Like they're like roommates. They're really good friends. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But, you know, having sex hasn't happened in a couple of years. Like longer than either of them want to admit. It, it's kind of like when you stop saying I love you to somebody, it's really awkward to start over again. Be like, mm -hmm. uh, I love you. It just sounds weird. It sounds awkward. So, so, so what, what does this couple do when they are great friends? They have so many mutual, you know, activities that they do and hobbies, but sexually it's just been done for years. I think you got to figure out why, first of all, because there could be so many different reasons. A lot of times it is just because it never felt good for her. Sometimes 
they just had a lot of sexual trauma they never dealt with. You know, it could be something where they, someone, one or both just needs some professional counseling and go get that. Sometimes though, it's just like life gets busy and then you just get out of the habit. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, when I was growing up, when we were growing up, everybody went to bed at either 1020 or 1115. Because at 1020, the local news was over. And at 1115, Johnny Carson's monologue was over. And so you either watched, you either stayed up to watch the local news or you stayed up to watch Johnny Carson and then you went to bed because that was it. There's nothing else to do. There's nothing else on TV. (laughs) But today we've got the internet, we've got video games. And so a lot of people have gotten into just habits of falling asleep on the couch, you know, of being on the internet in different rooms. And it's like, you just lose that connection. And so try going to bed together. It's such a little thing, <laughs> but mm-hmm. get a bedtime. I know you're adults, but adults can have bedtimes too. <laughs> get a bedtime. And then if you like, if everyone needs to be up at 6.30, you want to be asleep by 10.30, then start going to bed at like 9.30 and mm-hmm. read a book for 15 minutes, you know, chat for a bit, and then you have time to do something, you know, <laughs> but, yeah. but let's get a bedtime. It, it, it makes a tremendous difference. And sometimes if you just need to get out of the rut, scheduling sex is not a bad idea. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and there are sometimes medical things that intervene too, especially, you know, as men get older, sometimes testosterone levels can change. Um, sometimes medications or other things can affect your libido. So that could be part of the reason as well too. So talking to your doctor about those issues would be good as well. Mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit more about scheduling sex? <laughs> well, okay. Because one of the problems is if sex has become awkward, then initiating sex is awkward Mm -hmm. Mm because you're not sure how to initiate. You're not sure what they're going to say. And then what you do is you spend every day nervous. Like, is he expecting something tonight? Is she wanting something tonight? Like, is she trying to give me signals that I'm not picking up on? And, and, And so you're constantly worried about this. Whereas if you schedule it, Every Wednesday, every Saturday, we're going to try to rock each other's worlds. Then you don't need to worry about it on Tuesday. <laughs> and then on Wednesday, you can shave your legs. <laughs> you, you, yeah. know, you, can, you can think, okay, we're going to have fun tonight. I'll put on my pretty underwear. <laughs> you know, the guys can put on the stuff that doesn't have holes in it. Like you can, you know, you can. And, yeah. and it's just not quite as awkward because sometimes when you haven't had sex in a long time, just that awkwardness takes over. And so it's a way to break that awkwardness. Yeah. And again, when you are in- engaging again after, being away from a long time. It's just not, don't be so goal oriented, mm-hmm. you know, like just enjoy each other. We'll see where it goes. And, you know, cause our bodies are funny. Like, you know, we yeah. make weird noises, like, we, like everything is, it's, it can be weird. And we, we just, just need to relax and embrace it for what it is and enjoy each other and not have a sort of racing for the finish line kind of mentality. Yeah. I, I think Keith, you're saying something that I think is fairly new to me. And that is I was, I was interviewing Sarah Kubrick, who's a therapist, and we were talking about relationships and sexuality. And and one of the things she said is, you know, even though you've been together for like 20, 30 years, like still keep some mystery between the two of you. Like, Mm -hmm. don't take a dump in front of each other. You know, that's what she said. You know, she's like, you don't have to like brush your teeth and, you know, spit and all gross in front of the other. Like, like leave some level of, of mystery <laughs> between each other. Like, you know, guys, like don't burp and fart and do all that just gross stuff. It's not attractive. And then you're wondering like, why is your woman not like attracted to you? It's because you do disgusting things. <laughs> and, and it's really important to kind of remember 
that those parts are as important for, for men to, to know about themselves. What do you think yeah. about that? Sheila gets a lot of comments about, from wives about how they just would love it. Their husbands would just take a little bit of grooming. A little bit of grooming goes a long way. Uh, but uh, they're they're often too afraid to talk to their husbands about it because they're afraid he's going to be offended or or that sort of thing. And guys, we need to be, you know, we need to take care of ourselves as well too. We we have a big expectation in society that women are going to look their best, but we don't put a lot of that on ourselves as guys all the time. Mm-hmm. And we we should take some of that on as well. I think. Yeah, and I think it's an old adage to think that you know only men are into appearances. I think as we become in much more of a non-binary world that women also are into appearances, you know, and mm-hmm. they, they see things that are sexy and they want you to, you know, manscape as well, if, if that's important <laughs> to you, right? Yeah, or at least, you know, at the very least, brush your teeth. The number of women who <laughs> complain to me that my husband doesn't brush his teeth and then I just don't want to kiss a sewer, so. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's good. The other thing I wanted to just ask you on my, my last question, I wanted to ask you guys, she just never wants to do it, you know, and she just has a laundry list of things she, you know, wants to get done and she can't think about anything but her big checklist. And one of, one of the things that I say to guys usually is like, don't tell her the secret, okay? But it is true. Like she needs to get a whole bunch of stuff out of her head and done before she has sex with you. And so for you to bring it up to her, even like the day before, even that morning and say something like, you know, slap her on the ass and be like, hey, you look so hot. Let's do it tonight. And she'll be like, oh, okay. But then for the next 12 hours, she's like, we're doing it tonight. I need to like finish those bills. I need to like do those lunges. I need to, you know, just do all of these things that I have in my head. So by the time she's able to like go to bed with him, at least she's a little bit more prepared and at ease rather than thinking about the laundry list of things that she's doing what do you think so i think i would just the thing i would nuance that with is i would just kind of say to the guys hey you know what you're telling me is your wife's carrying a lot of what we call mental load so Mm -hmm. so it's not even necessarily the things that need to get done it's the fact that she feels responsible for it so you know i would say what is it that you could do that would help share some of that mental load maybe there's things that you could take on you know yeah go ahead even simply if it's not necessarily going to do something one of the things I love is, you know, just take your wife out for a walk and just mm. talk about things. Because mm-hmm. if she's nervous about something, if she's worried about something, and she can just get it off her chest and let you know, I'm worried about our daughter because of this, or I'm worried about this aspect of what's going on in the, in the house or things like that. And she can just talk about those things and get them off her chest. Then she can feel much more free to be with you in the bedroom mm. later that night because she's not got her brain going in 16 different directions, mm-hmm. worrying about all these other things. Yep. I think that's, that's great advice. And I, I'm thinking about during the pandemic, probably the, the greatest thing that improved my marriage was the daily walk that we started going on. Mm-hmm. You know, it was just couldn't go anywhere else. And all of a sudden we started becoming birders and started identifying oh. trees. And we started- He's a huge birder. Is he? Yeah, yeah. We, we became total geeks. And- who knew that that hour of just undivided attention that we never really got before, um, especially when you have children and you just make up all these other, you know, things that get in the way would actually really, really strengthen the marriage. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thank you guys so much. Love, love what you're doing. Sheila, I don't know. I, I feel like I'm 
it's like an Amway scheme. I'm like only giving your books out to couples now. So now, you know, <laughs> Ooh, I love you. That's wonderful. Yeah. Now they're getting, you know, not just, you know, the, the, it's not that they're only getting the great sex, sex rescue, but now they're getting the good girl's guide and the, and the good guy's guide. I love it. So tell, tell me a little bit about um, what's next for you. I know you have a bear, a bear marriage podcast. Tell us, tell us a little bit about yes. that. Yes. So every Thursday, Bear Marriage Podcast, it's usually me and our daughter, Rebecca, who's one of the co-authors for The Great Sex Rescue, but Keith joins us a lot too. And then we have other guests as well. And just, again, looking at sex, marriage, and how can we make it healthy, evidence-based, and biblical. So not just we're not just giving our opinion. We're trying to look at what research actually says. So <laughs> that's a big, a big thing for us. And of course, you can find me at tolovehonorandvacuum.com. All of our books are there, our orgasm course, our libido course, our how to talk to your kids about puberty and sex course, all of that is there too. So oh, that's really that great. I, I, I'm going to, I'm going to have to look into that. I didn't know about the, how to talk to kids. So that's a great one. Maybe I should do a, uh, my own seminar on like how to orgasm for men. It will only be 30 seconds long, but <laughs> <laughs> I can make a lot of money off of it. So anyways, thanks guys for joining me. Thank uh, you. Thanks for inviting great us. Great to be here again. Thanks for listening to the Concierge Minister Podcast. If you want to learn more about growing in your faith or looking for an online faith community for support while you're on your journey, please visit conciergeminister.com or send us an email at conciergeminister at gmail.com. Don't forget to click the subscribe button and give us a five-star rating. If you find this podcast helpful, please tell your friends about us. Thanks again for listening. Until next time. Go and live your best life.